You're listening to the St. John's Diamond Creek Podcast, recorded live each Sunday at St. John's Anglican Church, Diamond Creek. This episode presented by Associate Minister Julie Blinker. chapter 20, verses 17 to 24. From Miletus, Paul sent to Ephesus for the elders of the church. When they arrived, he said to them, you know how I lived the whole time I was with you from the first day I came into the province of Asia. I served the Lord with great humility and with tears and in the midst of severe testing by the plots of my Jewish opponents. You know that I have not hesitated to preach anything that would be helpful to you, but have taught you publicly and from house to house. I have declared to both Jews and Greeks that they must turn to God in repentance and have faith in our Lord Jesus. And now, compelled by the Spirit, I am going to Jerusalem, not knowing what will happen to me there. I, will, I only know that in every city the holy city warns me that prison and hardships are facing me. However, I consider my life worth nothing to me. My only aim is to finish the race and complete the task the Lord Jesus has given me, the task of testifying to the good news of God's grace. Good evening. As Coke mentioned, it's my first time preaching here tonight, so I thought I'd bring a little thing along. Says it all, really. So I'm finishing up our vision series, Vision 2022, and you might have heard the last four weeks we've been talking about intergenerational community. And maybe when that was preached, you're thinking, yeah, that's, that's good. Yeah, we had in, we, I like that. That's what our church is about. The second one was loving Jesus. It's always a warm, fuzzy one, loving Jesus. Like, it's good to have that one in our church vision. Maybe some people think it should be bold, that one. Well, that's really good. Last week, we looked at growing like Jesus. A little bit more of a cost, a little bit more stretching in there. Um, Good one to have. And this week, I'm going to be looking at sharing Jesus. I don't know how you feel about that. Maybe some people are thinking, that really should have been first. I love this stuff. I love sharing Jesus. I'm so glad I came tonight. And others might be thinking, oh gosh, here we go. I'm going to let you in on a little secret. I became a Christian in my university years, and the thought sharing Jesus was pretty daunting to me. In fact, I was led to the Lord. I prayed a prayer and said, Lord, I want to follow you and stop following my own ways. And I was living in China at the time. And the lady was leading me through this prayer of belief and following Jesus. And in my mind... I prayed this prayer, and in my brackets, in my head, were, as long as I don't become a missionary and you ask me to share about Jesus. I have to admit, that was kind of in my mind. And I was the first one in my family and friendship group to become a Christian. So I'd become a believer in China, and I didn't know what was going to happen when I came back. I was scared I might lose my friends. I was scared people might think I was a bit odd, suddenly believing in a God. I just didn't know what they'd say. So over the next couple of months, I was still pretty determined I wasn't going to be one of those people that shared Jesus. But then as I was reading the Bible and attending church and thinking about what it was to follow Jesus, I saw again and again 
I just can't avoid it. Like, as I read, if I want to be an authentic follower of Jesus, there's nowhere that he says, just sit and enjoy my love. Like, yes, there's that thing about abide in his presence, but he's always sending people out to share the good news, to heal the brokenhearted, to set the captives free, to let the blind people see and the deaf people hear. It's very much a sent out and called. It's a dangerous prayer to be praying, Lord, give me a heart for the lost. But it's what I started praying when I realised what, how I'm living my life doesn't line up with what the biblical stuff is saying about this. And so I started praying, God, would you just help me be willing to share my faith? God, would you give me your heart for the lost? God, help me and change me in this. And over the next nine months, he just started doing really powerful things in my life that by the end of it, I was forever changed. He'd etched in my heart his heart for the lost and it's still something that motivates many of my decisions in how I um, make career decisions and finance decisions and just it really, really impacts me and um, he's done an amazing job there. The McCrindle Research Paper, um, which is a group that do research, did some, did some research last year, 2017, and they said that 3% of Australians have never heard of Jesus. 8% of Aussies don't know any Christians at all. That's 1.5 million Australian adults don't know any Christians at all. And 52% of all Christians... Oh, sorry, 52% of all Australians would be open to some extent to changing their religious views given the right circumstances and evidence. 52% would be willing to reconsider their views if they came across something that challenged them a little there and gave them the answers they were looking for. Another, group, another research um, paper that I'd read said, most Australian believers that come to faith when they're interviewed and they're asked about the journey that got them there, they say that they've had seven to 12 on average meaningful interactions with believers before they've made that decision. So that might be a significant conversation. It might be a family they've had to do with something. It might be an answered prayer, but there's usually quite a few little interactions that get them to a place of making that decision. Now that's pretty significant. I thought, just briefly, can I have seven people stand up? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, and there's someone at the back. Good. So just imagine, what, what could it take that someone in our society, in Diamond Creek and surrounding areas, would come across all of these people? Maybe, oh, they work with Emily in, in, M in with school, and they're like, oh yeah, she goes to church on um, Sundays, I might just have lunch with her one day and kind of press a little deeper and ask her about that. And then Daniel, they noticed he was doing air drums in the car on the way to church. <laughs> it did happen. <laughs> and um, one of his schoolmates saw him do that and thought, you know, he was doing air drums really well. I'm going to ask him a bit more about that. How did he learn to do drums? Why does he, why does he play in a church band anyway? What's that faith about? It goes on and on. I won't create a scenario, but you can imagine how easy it might be for someone to have some sort of meaningful discussion or interaction with seven people from our community. Thanks, guys. You can sit down. So, looking back to our passage, 
The context of Paul, he was an apostle. He'd never actually met Jesus. Someone had shared Jesus with him. And he had been on many journeys uh, around the world sharing Jesus with others. This letter um, that was read today was written from Miletus, from Miletus, and he was in a harbour, just that's in the southwest part of Turkey. He was writing to the people he'd mentored, the Ephesian elders, and he knew this was the last time that he was going to see them. And in this final letter that he writes to them, he gives them some real gold principles of how they can live their life going forward based on how he had been living his life. And we're going to look at um, five of those tonight because they're relevant to how we live our faith out. So point number one, verse 17 to 19, Paul reminded them of his life and to recall the memories of him. He says, You know how I lived the whole time I was with you. From the first day I came into the province of Asia, I served the Lord with great humility and with tears and in the midst of severe testing. Paul begins his letter by saying, look at my life. Look at my life as an example of the message I believed. He urges that our message and what we believe about Christ measure up. When friends, workmates, schoolmates or family members look at our lives, do what they see match up with what we believe about Christ? If not, we need to stop and think and pray about that and live a life of integrity in those areas. When I first became a believer, it was almost easy to find out where I wasn't matching up because people would point it out to me. Julie, you say you're a believer, but you're doing that and you're living like that and you're worrying about that. You know, what difference does God make? I was like, oh, gosh, okay, yeah, you're right. But it was helpful because I was like, okay, they've got a point. What difference does God make in my life? I'm going to go, like, seek the scriptures and pray about God in these areas, pray to God about these areas. Whether we want it or not, people are watching our life, watching to see what it says about the God we follow. So Paul lived a life of integrity. His life was his message. The second thing we can see from the Apostle Paul's letter here is he encouraged us to have courage. He said he expected challenges, persecution and opposition. Verse 23 says, I only know that in every city the Holy Spirit warns me that prison and hardships are facing me. Can you believe being told that in every city you're going to face prison and hardship? Kirk, when you go and pick up your daughters from school and kindy this week, you're going to face prison and hardship. Daniel, next time you do air drums in the car, you're going to face prison and hardship. Scotty, as you start uni this week, you're going to face prison and hardship. What difference would it make to you to get that message from the Holy Spirit that whatever it is you're about to do, you're about to face prison and hardship in that? I know for me, I'd probably be thinking, oh gosh, I'll activate all the prayer people I know. Like, pray, please, people, pray. I don't want to go to prison. I've just moved to Diamond Creek. <laughs> but we see that it doesn't deter him. When we read ahead, it says, he says, However, I consider my life worth nothing to me. My only aim is to finish the race and complete the task the Lord Jesus has given me, the task of testifying to the good news of God's grace. Paul walked 
knowing that his life no longer was his own, and knowing Jesus and making him known became his first priority and was worth anything. Over the years, I've found it helpful to think about when I share Jesus, I'm only ever going to get three different responses. And those three responses are the same responses that Jesus himself encountered, that the Apostle Paul encountered, and that others encountered. And so it just helps me to kind of have normal expectations of what might happen. Those three outcomes that we will get, one of them is, so you've just shared Jesus with someone, one of them is, oh my gosh, I love that message. I love what you're saying about Jesus, and I want to follow him. I want him to be my Lord and Saviour. And it's the type of response we celebrate, and it's a privilege if you get to um, share your faith with someone to the point that they also want to have that same faith. The second response we see is, mm, maybe. Maybe I'll think about it later. Maybe I'll consider the cost just a little bit more. Maybe I'm just not ready to put someone else and to put my trust in someone else as the first in my life. The third response is the one Jesus and Paul both encountered. We are so offended by your message, we want to kill you. A lot rarer in Australia, but certainly common in other parts of the world. So we have these three different responses, and then we'll encounter them in some form or another in Australia as well. So Paul walked with integrity. He had realistic expectations about the kind of responses he might have and engage with. And the third thing he encourages us in is to be filled with the Spirit. Verse 22 says, and now, compelled by the Spirit. Verse 23, I only know that in every city, the Holy Spirit warns me of what's to come. Throughout many of the Apostle Paul's letters, he talks about being filled with the Holy Spirit, empowered by the Spirit, compelled by the Spirit, walking in the power of the Spirit, led to his fruitful life. We as believers are all filled with the Holy Spirit, and we're told to keep filling up all the time. He gives us through that the boldness and courage to share Jesus with others. So the picture you can see there is the story of someone who was quite powerfully filled with the Spirit one particular evening. I was running a schoolies mission trip in the Gold Coast. Um, I presume a lot of people here know what schoolies is, but for those that don't, it's kind of a getaway with your friends after grade 12 finishes. And quite often, in this case at the Gold Coast, it was party, drugs, alcohol, all sorts of things that went on. So we went um, for three weeks, there's a team of 50 of us, and we would go out and help people, whether that was talking to them, giving them water, quite often it was pulling them out of their own vomit so they didn't choke, um, chatting with them when they were hungover, just like being present and being Jesus to them in different scenarios. And as team leader of that trip, I decided I want to look after my own team really well. So the newbies, I'm going to put with the more experienced people, you know, so they can look out for each other and they can have good experiences when they're out on the street. And this particular guy was a Maori guy from New Zealand and he didn't really speak. Like, he hadn't spoken a whole lot at all for the first week or so and I was just a little bit concerned about, I wonder how things are for him, I wonder how this trip's going for him. 
So when it got to his turn to go out on the streets at night, I decided that I'd partner with him and just sort of, you know, keep an eye on him and make sure that his experience went well. So it got to about 1am and, you know, we decided we wanted to get some Maccas. So he said, can you just go get me a burger? I'll wait here. Sure, I'll go get you a burger. Yeah, okay. So I went and lined up and we went and shopping. I went shopping, get him some burgers. And I came out at the end and I just couldn't find him. I'm like, oh no, I've lost him. Where did he go? And I could see this crowd of people gathering in the middle of the hall, the outside hall at the Gold Coast. And I was like, oh no, maybe he's in, maybe he's watching whatever's going on there. So it's kind of like looking. And then in the middle of the crowd was him and he was rapping the gospel. And I was just so taken going, Oh my goodness, this is amazing. And he just went on and on and on. And he was just improvisation rapping. Do we have any rappers here? Because I'm not a rapper. Daniel's a rapper. Maybe he's... (laughs) I can't rap, but it was like... He was just like making up his own sounds and he was improvising and calling people in and like talking about the rubbish on the ground and how put that rubbish in the hands of Christ and you become a new creation and... I was just watching him and going far out, got my camera out, took a photo and then afterwards these schoolies are just like mesmerised by him sharing the gospel in rap and asking him all about the God that he was just rapping about and that became his ministry on that schoolies trip. Like most nights he just had this newfound courage to rap and I asked him about it and he's like, I don't know, the spirit just came on me (laughs) in his New Zealand accent. And so it was really powerful and really inspiring to all of us just to see the transformation God made in his life. Okay, Apostle Paul lived with integrity, expected challenges, persecution and opposition. He was filled with the spirit as he went about his life and fourthly, lived a life intentionally. Verse 20 says, I've not hesitated to preach anything that would be helpful to you, but have taught you publicly and house to house, declaring to both Jews and Greeks. So to paraphrase that, Paul shared Jesus publicly and privately. He shared it when he shopped at Woolworths, when he dropped his... He didn't have kids. So when he went to school, in the classroom, outside of the classroom, at the universities, in the local centres... He was always looking for opportunities, one ear open to God and one ear open to what was going on around him, looking for opportunities to share the gospel. Have a think about the thing which was most instrumental to you when you came to faith. Was it an article that you read somewhere that was really significant? Did you walk into Target one Christmas and you heard their Christmas carols and you're like, Man, I never realised, but yes, yes, this is true. Again and again and again, we see that people come to faith through a conversation, through a relationship with someone that knows Jesus and that person's had the courage and stepped out to share him. What you're looking at there under point four is the four things that the church, so this Vision 2020 um, was developed before I came, obviously, and I believe many of you had input into shaping it. And we were thinking that sharing Jesus doesn't need to be something for the evangelists and for the super keen beans that have been, you know, missionary training in Bible college. Sharing Jesus that someone is something that someone who's even been a believer for one day 
or someone who's never shared their faith but been a believer their whole life can do. And so we've come up with four things that, we could, that we've thought are just things everyone can be involved in. What does it look like to be a believer in this area, these, sharing Jesus? These are four things. So point A, make friends outside of church and love them well. It might be an obvious thing to say, but having people that we know that are outside the church walls. I know for me last year, I was working in a church, studying in Bible college. My landlords were Christians. It just seemed like everyone I knew was a Christian. And I thought, far out. I've, I'm living in a bubble. Like, this is my Christian bubble. I've, I've fell in, fallen into a bubble. So I had to really intentionally think about how can I make friends that are not believers to love them, to hear their world, to, to keep fresh, I guess, as well, with like, what are people saying and thinking outside of the Christian world? And to love them well. Um, yeah, to be present, to look for the needs there. And that might be something that this year, the Lord might be challenging you on, well, you've got friends, but what's the next step? Maybe it's to offer to drive them home from something. Maybe at school it's to more intentionally build friendship with someone, sit with them at lunchtime, invite them into your group. Maybe it's to um, invite them around for dinner or have a drink before work. What's the next step in having a friendship with those people? The second thing is to pray. Now, it might be a prayer like I shared at the beginning of, Lord, help me be willing. Start with giving me a heart for the lost. Or it might be different ways that you're praying for them at the same time. Sometimes I write my friends' names on my hands when I come to church. And so when I pray and when I worship, I'm kind of holding my hands up a bit metaphorically, but it's a, a different way of praying and just going, God, I pray for these people even as I'm worshipping. I hold them before you and I ask that you'd be working in their life this week. But to make prayer a regular part of our day. The third thing is to be ready to answer questions. So sometimes love looks like buying a friend a birthday present and surprising them on their birthday. Sometimes love looks like going and getting equipped to answer the questions that they might have, spending that time to go, I don't know some of the answers, but I'm going to spend a bit of time this year finding out whether it's friends in your workplace or whether it's visitors that come here on a Sunday and they just have some tricky questions. Quite often we can say, I'll find out for you, but it's also good to invest in that ahead of time. In our church, coming up on the 18th of April, 7.30pm till 9.30pm on a Wednesday night, um, we've got four different Wednesday evenings and we're running a course called Everyday Evangelism. It's going to help us to share the gospel, to know what is the gospel, how do we share it, how do we share it in a way that's relevant and applicable, and how do we look and use opportunities that come up. There'll be more about that in the newsletter, but I'd encourage you to come along as a way to be ready to answer other people's questions. And the fourth thing is to invite them along to things. A few years ago, I received an email from a lady that I used to work with. She was a secretary in the first organisation I worked with, probably 10 years prior. 
And she wrote me an email saying, Dear Julie, you might not remember me. And it's true, I didn't. I was like, gosh, I know her name, but I have no idea. You know, sort of somewhere in the distant memory. And she said, I just want to thank you because when we worked together, you used to invite me to things. And I stopped and I thought about it. I'm like, yeah, I did. But she never came. Like, she said no every single time. Like, oh, yeah, that lady. She never came. And she said, I want to write to you to say thank you for inviting me to things because it showed that you cared and it showed that you cared about my life outside of work. And she said, even though I never said yes, I've since become a believer. And as I think back, you asking me to things was God's way to say, I care about you and I'm inviting you to know me more. She said, now I'm working in my own church and I'm always inviting people to things and I just thought of you and wanted to encourage you to keep on inviting people even if you get a lot of no's. And it was really sweet of her to to do that, you know. You don't always know the impact you might have, but it encouraged me that God can do a lot with a no. Don't be discouraged when you hear someone say a no, like just keep inviting them or keep praying and know that God will do a lot with that no. Perhaps you're thinking of a friend and you're like, there's just no way they're going to come to a Sunday service. Like I know that it'll just cut a conversation off if I even asked. In Proverbs, it says, he who wins souls is wise. So I'd encourage you, pray for wisdom. It's like, all right, maybe that person's not ready to come to a church. What are they ready to come to? Dinner party? Movie? Casual catch-up with other friends? There's lots of things that we can invite people to. It's a matter of like, well, what, what would be appropriate? What would be that first step, perhaps, that I could invite them along to? To finish up, I used to work in a campus ministry um, called Student Life. And they had a definition of sharing Jesus, which I found really helpful. It said, sharing Jesus is taking the initiative to share Jesus in the power of the Spirit and leaving the results with God. Taking the initiative to share Jesus in the power of the Spirit and leaving the results with God. And I think that's one of the key things about sharing Jesus. Like we take that step, we invite people to things, we, we look for the opportunities, but ultimately it's not up to us what they say. That's between them and God. We just head out there and kind of knock on the doors of people, people's hearts, so to speak, like just see where, what people might be interested in, but we're leaving the results with God. So in summary from this passage, we can see that the Apostle Paul lived a life of integrity, expected challenges, persecution and opposition, but I might say he also saw a lot of whole communities come to faith. He was filled with the Spirit and he lived intentionally. I'm going to pray, but then I'm also going to let us just sit with what I've shared, maybe for 30 seconds, and I'm going to ask God just, can you show us what the next step is? Can you show us what do you want me to do this week? Like what's the one thing I'm going to take and apply? Okay, so I'm going to pray first and then we'll sit in just silence for a bit. Heavenly Father, I thank you that you are a God of outrageous love. You just go outside of the box. You colour outside of the lines. You do incredible things to reach us with your love. You pursue us relentlessly, God, and your love changes lives. 
And it's because of that, Lord, that the gospel is good news, what you've done, what your son Jesus has done in, in bridging that gap. I pray, Lord, for each of us that we would be people who are filled with the Spirit, who intentionally look to share our faith. And I pray, Lord, tonight that you would meet each of us where we're at. Mighty God, I pray now that you would um, reveal to us personally, what is it that you're asking of us? What's the one thing that stood out? And you think, yeah, I'll, I'll try to do that. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do that this week. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would fill people afresh. I pray that you would open our eyes to see the opportunities around us. I pray that you'd give us a boldness and a courage that comes from you. And I pray, Lord, that you would reveal ongoing and continually your love for us and that we walk in that. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for joining us. If you've got any questions about this podcast, connect with us on our website, stjohnsdc.org.au or at facebook.com slash stjohnsdc. Don't forget, you can join us live in Diamond Creek every Sunday at 9.30am and 6pm.